Hi, I'm Abby, a functional dietitian and gut health expert. Hi, I'm Jillian, a functional dietitian that specializes in women's health and hormones. And this is Your Body Has Your Back podcast. Together, we have over 20 years of experience supporting clients in healing their gut and hormone symptoms and guiding them from overwhelm to ease in their body. We help clients reconnect with their body and transform their lives using targeted nutrition, lifestyle, and supplement therapies. Finding optimal health in our modern chaotic world is more challenging than ever. And now it's our mission to provide you with the tools you need to strengthen your relationship with your body, to resolve your gut and hormone symptoms, and become your greatest health advocate. Join us for honest, inspired and offbeat conversations on health that will leave you feeling empowered to take action so that you can trust your body has your back. All right. So in today's episode, we are going to zoom in to discuss one of our absolute favorite topics the cortisol awakening response, or your CAR as we refer to it. As a really quick refresher, cortisol is our primary stress hormone. So when most of us hear the word cortisol, we immediately think about stress. And if you remember back to our stress and nervous system episode in season one, cortisol is a steroid hormone that is released from the adrenal glands in response to stress. The hypothalamus in the brain senses stress and it releases something called CRH, or corticotropin-releasing hormone, which then travels to the pituitary gland, which releases ACTH, which then travels to the adrenals to stimulate the production of cortisol and other hormones. That's kind of the, the quick and dirty on cortisol and the body's stress response system, or the HPA axis. One of the primary functions of cortisol is absolutely mediating and regulating the stress response. But it's important to remember that cortisol actually has many, many other functions in the body, including regulating the metabolism, balancing blood sugar, inflammation, um, immune function, and so much more. The cortisol awakening response, or the CAR, is where we kind of zoom in to look at what's happening with cortisol first thing in the morning. So your cortisol awakening response specifically is the change in cortisol concentration or the burst in cortisol that occurs first thing in the morning upon waking. The cortisol awakening response works a little bit differently than what I described with a general cortisol response in relation to stress or in response to stress rather. So this big rise in cortisol after waking actually occurs in the absence of stress. So in healthy individuals, cortisol actually should rise rapidly after waking, and it should actually increase by at least 50% above your baseline within the first 30 minutes that you wake up. When you're asleep, your adrenal glands down-regulate or blunt the production of cortisol. So cortisol should be very low while we're asleep. We should not be pumping out large amounts of cortisol. As soon as we wake up and when we're exposed to sunlight in the morning, the body shifts gears and the adrenals start to produce that cortisol. We should get this quick rise in cortisol first thing, and then ideally have a kind of gradual decline in uh, cortisol throughout the rest of the day into the evening. This kind of pattern that I'm describing with a big rapid rise in cortisol and a decline throughout the rest of the day is considered a healthy cortisol pattern, or that's kind of what we're, we're looking to achieve. 
your cortisol awakening response and that quick rising cortisol first thing is actually considered a really, really important indicator of stress resilience. And the health of your cortisol awakening response also has a huge influence on your overall health status and symptoms, which is why we are dedicating an entire episode to talking about your car. Like most other hormones and processes in the body, your cortisol awakening response and your overall cortisol pattern throughout the day is circadian. So it's heavily influenced by things like our light and dark exposure, our sleep habits, our eating habits, which we talk about extensively in the circadian rhythm episode in season one. But today we're gonna get really zoomed in to discuss the cortisol awakening response and specifically what a healthy versus unhealthy car might look and feel like. Health implications of a dysregulated car, what harms our car, and what actually supports a healthy, balanced cortisol awakening response. I love it. So I'll let you take it away from here, Av, and dive in. Awesome. So what your cortisol awakening response can tell you about your health. So your car is your body's report card in how kind of effective you are in able to move from sleep to an alert state. So this transition should happen within that first 30 minutes of waking, as Jilly shared. So the car response signifies that stress resiliency. Is there flexibility to adapt to life's stressors? So an unhealthy car can suggest the state of an individual's nervous system, how well the body's coping with those daily stressors and their perception to stress. So a car response can either be high or low. When a car is high, it can indicate that an individual may be experiencing an acute phase of stress or that that nervous that person's nervous system is highly anticipating the events of the day and stuck in a high stress response. We can also see a car response that is suppressed or low, which can indicate that an individual has been under maybe more chronic stress and the body's protecting itself from those high cortisol, kind of the history of high cortisol, leading to depletion and eventually low cortisol and a low car response. Now, these dysregulations in cortisol and the car response can lead to larger, more systemic health implications. Um, and this is really showing like how impactful cortisol is in so many areas of the health and if, of our health and really why we're you know, so obsessed with so much of this topic and conversation. So we can see it impacting things like mood disorders, impacting experiences of depression, anxiety, panic attacks, hypervigilance, aggression, uh, PTSD even, due to cortisol's impact on serotonin. We can see it impact stress disorders that can lead to the experience of being stressed out, the feeling of overwhelm, potentially insomnia, kind of experience of burnout really due to cortisol's impact on an amino acid balance between glutamate, our more excitatory amino acid, and GABA, our more calming. Uh, when both of these are in balance, it kind of promotes this alertness and calm. When they're out of balance, we can see a lot of impact in kind of mood and overall stress and the, the feelings of that in the body. Cardiovascular health, we can see it impacting high blood pressure and the risk for kind of cardiovascular diseases, 
impacting metabolic syndrome. So it can increase the propensity for diabetes, insulin resistance, metabolic syndrome, even hypoglycemia, so that's low blood sugar, due to cortisol's significant impact on blood sugar. Carrie Jones, who is a very kind of significant um, educator in the hormone field of functional medicine, puts it, if you can't get your cortisol right, you won't ever get glucose right. And I feel like it's a very simple way to realize like, wow, like our cortisol and stress plays a very significant role in so much of our health, but in particular in blood sugar. And you've heard us talk extensively about blood sugar. Brain dysfunction. So it can impact our memory, recall, feelings of brain fog, hypocampal cell death, meaning kind of brain on fire or inflammation in the brain due to cortisol shift again on those amino acids, the GABA glutamate balance, kind of leading to maybe more excitatory glutamate and less of the common GABA. Reproductive implications leading to ovulatory issues, impacts on fertility due to cortisol's communication to the brain, impacting our hormone communication to the ovaries through changes in FSH and LH pulses. It can impact our GI dysfunction, leading to dysbiosis or negative changes in the microbiome, intestinal permeability, which we might have know more familiar as leaky gut, symptoms of IBS as cortisol is a wear and tear hormone that can break down the lining of the gut when it's out of balance. So something in particular when CAR is low or flatlined, when we're kind of in this more like chronic stress experience, can lead to a little bit more additional implications that can pose some pretty significant impacts on inflammatory autoimmune risk and even cancer outcomes. So cortisol plays a significant role in regulating the immune system and inflammation in the body, as Jilly shared in the, in the intro. So when our car is low, it can lead to immune dysfunction, which can contribute to higher risk of infection, inflammation, and worsened autoimmune conditions and risk. And this is largely due to when we have that acute rise in cortisol in the morning, it helps to actually kill key immune cells called T cells that have failed central tolerance in the thymus gland. So that means that a healthy car, when we have that rise in cortisol, that response actually helps to kill any immune cells that might be dysfunctioning and thus helps to protect the immune system from becoming overly aggressive to our own tissues, thus decreasing any worsening of autoimmune conditions or overall risk of autoimmune conditions. When this rise doesn't happen in cortisol, that increases the propensity that these T cells, if they've been kind of marked as dysfunction, especially more sensitive to our own tissues, don't get destroyed and thus put us at higher levels of inflammation and potential impacting the autoimmune risk or autoimmune conditions. We can also see low CARs impact cancer outcomes, leading to kind of early risk of mortality in breast and prostate cancers. So this major list of potential health impacts certainly gives us insight into how powerful and important cortisol's role in the body is. I mean, that was a list. Really why building these daily support around stress balance is such a fundamental part of what we talk about. And if you felt yourself getting like really anxious during that list, it's like, whew, just like take a take a deep breath um, and know that, you know, the little things that we can do throughout our day and in our life make a very significant impact. And that's really what we're going to dive into more, strengthening your knowledge about those today. So what we wanted to help you with is really getting a picture of what would it feel like 
if you had a dysfunctioning car. So the best method for working with cortisol is to test. And that's because cortisol symptomatology isn't always cookie cutter in somebody's body. So, you know, high cortisol doesn't necessarily always feel this exact way or low cortisol doesn't always feel this exact way. So we always want to test before we start to kind of do anything beyond just maybe lifestyle shifts. Um, the testing that Jilly and I use in our respective practices is Dutch testing. This uses a combination of urine and saliva to measure hormone metabolites, that diurnal cortisol curve that Jillian talked about, that we want cortisol to be moving in that specific pattern, and this specific cortisol awakening response or CAR. So this testing provides actionable insights into specific nutrition, lifestyle, and supplemental support to optimize an individual's cortisol pattern, especially their CAR. But we want to help you picture these health implications a little more concretely. So we created some symptom avatars to help to provide insight into what it might feel like if your car needs some support. Let's just start with what's ideal. We want to be waking somewhat easily in the morning, maybe only needing a little time to kind of get to that alert state. Usually that happens in about 30 minutes. You can get out of bed easily. You wake feeling alert but not anxious. Uh, you have consistent, stable energy throughout the day. And obviously there can be shifts in our energy and wake cycles, but generally this should be the kind of predominant feeling after like a good night's sleep. So that would be the optimal and the ideal of what we experience kind of more in that morning time because we're really zooming in on just that car experience. Now, someone who's experiencing a low car or a flatline car, this person is more likely to have experienced maybe chronic stress and they might feel like, it takes them two hours to wake up and two cups of coffee. They might be more likely to hit the snooze constantly and they need that caffeine to get going. Their autoimmune condition and symptoms might feel a little out of control. They feel more pain, stiffness, aches on, upon waking up, and it might take them a while to feel awake in the morning because of that lack of elevation in cortisol to take them to that alert state. And the bigger picture, they might experience burnout, weight gain or weight loss resistance, again, autoimmune conditions, low libido, low mood, poor focus. So on the other side, someone has an, uh, an elevated car or overexpression of their car, they might wake feeling like they wake up going from zero to 60 the second their eyes open. They could wake up feeling with even like a low mood or a little bit panic and more likely to feel overwhelmed or stressed in the face of events. In that kind of big picture, they might experience elevated heart rate, feeling more frantic, blood sugar issues, sleep issues, definitely afternoon crash, poor recovery from exercise, and a, kind of a short fuse, especially in the face of, of um, any type of, of stress experience. That was a, a great description, and I think it's helpful for people to, first and foremost, understand there's absolutely nuance here. And to Abby's point, there's not kind of that cookie cutter, you know, look in terms of, um, symptoms and, and that always directly correlating with what we're going to see with cortisol testing, which speaks to Abby's point, um, in terms of it being important to actually test and understand, you know, what's happening with free cortisol, what's happening with cortisol production. Um, but I think it's really helpful for people to just hear that list of symptoms and kind of what to maybe look at out for and, and pay attention to. I, I always find it so interesting with, you know, doing cortisol testing in practice, 
sometimes how correlated the, you know these things are, but it's not always it's not always exactly what we expect. So, um, you know, I just yeah wanted to kind of reiterate what what Abby had said there. Hey, Jillian here. If you suspect that you might be dealing with hormonal issues based on your symptoms, or you have a confirmed hormonal condition like PCOS, endometriosis, PMDD, or hypothyroidism, chances are you haven't been given the best tools or support to address your hormonal symptoms effectively. I know because I've been there and I've really experienced firsthand just how frustrating it can be to navigate your hormonal health and your chronic symptoms in our conventional healthcare system. But the truth is, establishing a supportive foundation with your nutrition and knowing how to confidently nourish your body and your unique needs is the number one place to start for healing your hormones naturally. I am so passionate about hormone health and have really made it my life's mission to provide women with the comprehensive support and tools they need to balance their hormones effectively. This is exactly why I created my self-study program, Eat to Heal Your Hormones. This program walks you through everything you need to know about your hormones, how to assess for patterns of hormonal imbalance, and helps you identify the root causes driving your symptoms. Eat to Heal Your Hormones teaches you exactly how to eat to support your body's unique needs, how to harness the power of functional nutrition to balance your hormones, how to supplement strategically, and how to end confusion and stress around food for good. If you struggle with symptoms like acne, miserable or irregular cycles, head hair loss, weight gain, fatigue, or anxiety, this self-study program is for you. Eat to Heal Your Hormones gives you access to the proven blueprint that I've used to help hundreds of women balance their hormones. This low-cost self-study program is truly the best place to start for healing your hormones naturally. You can access the program using the link in our show notes. So let's talk a little bit about how to actually support a healthy cortisol awakening response. And you now have a better understanding of what it might look like, what it might feel like um, to have a dysregulated car. But now we want to talk action steps, right? Like what can we what can we do here? So some of the biggest ways that we can support a healthy cortisol awakening response include having a consistent wake up time. So having a consistent predictable sleep schedule and specifically waking up around the same time daily really, really supports our internal rhythms and a healthy cortisol awakening response specifically. The body likes predictability. Um, the body likes routine and habits. And if we're waking up at, you know, 6 a.m. for part of the week, and then on the weekends, we're waking up at 11 a.m., you can imagine how this is disruptive to circadian rhythms and disruptive, you know, really confusing for the brain rather in terms of like, when am I supposed to produce these hormones and how much am I supposed to produce? So on a basic level, that consistent wake up time might not you know, sound super sexy or exciting, but it can make a massive difference with supporting a healthy cortisol awakening response. Another really big uh, car supporter is exposure to sunlight, getting sunlight directly into your eyes soon after waking. Absorbing light into our eyes stimulates the master clock in the brain, the SCN. This helps the body transition from that sleep mode to actually you know, being awake. It stops the blunting that occurs with ACTH receptors on the adrenal glands, and it allows them to start to produce cortisol and to, you know, produce that big rapid spike in cortisol that, you know, we want to experience first thing. 
So light exposure is absolutely crucial for stimulating a healthy car. If you are someone that sleeps with room darkening shades and it's like pitch black in your room, which is actually, you know, a great thing to have a really dark environment when you're sleeping, but it's not such a great thing when you're trying to wake up and stimulate that cortisol awakening response. So if you have room darkening shades, we always recommend, you know, when your alarm goes off, pop out of bed, rip open the shades, let any sunlight in that you can to support that transition for the body. If you can pop outside to get direct sunlight for even 10 minutes, 20 minutes soon after waking, this can be really beneficial. If you can't get outside, you could also just sit near a sunny window where you could actually absorb that sunlight into your eyes. If it's pitch blackout when you wake up, like it is where I am currently, um, and it's not getting light anytime soon, you could use a full spectrum light box um, that provides at least 10,000 lukes for about 20 minutes first thing in the morning, and that can sort of simulate the sun and help to support that, that healthy cortisol awakening response. I would say that a consistent wake up time and light exposure soon after waking are probably like the two biggest core factors to support a healthy car. Um, and if, if those things are not aligned currently, I'd say start there, focus on that right off the bat. Would you agree, Abby? Oh, I totally agree. And I, and I think the, you know, when, especially when we're like manipulating the car and that kind of like experience in the morning, like we do want to be practicing these things, like right as you're waking that like optimizing kind of light exposure, like right first thing in the morning. So yeah, if it's dark, like get that light box, it's worth it put it on your bedside table, have it, you don't have to stare directly at it. Like you can put it kind of off to the periphery, um, but turn it on. And just as you're starting to kind of like, if you're, you know, a slow wake person who needs those two cups of coffee in those two hours, it's like, make it easy, like set up the whole system and just like click it on in the morning. And then slowly, but surely as weeks go on, like the, the goal is like, you start to feel a little bit more vibrant, start to feel a little bit more awake. And then maybe there is like, you're getting out of bed. You're actually going outside. You're kind of doing the advances, but um, and I think sometimes people hear the like, wake up every day at the same time. They're like, what? But like the weekends and like the weekdays. And it's like, kind of, can we wake up within an hour of like picking a time? Like, okay, 7am is my wake up time. And like, I give myself maybe a little to eight on the weekends, but I like just get up. And if I need to take a nap later, I take a nap later. Yeah. I, I couldn't agree more. And it's pretty amazing, particularly for people that are experiencing, an inadequate, you know, car, or they have that flatlined car, making some shifts to kind of close any big gaps with the wake up time in terms of like weekends versus weekdays and that consistent like expo light exposure within even a few weeks, you will likely notice a big difference with how you feel in terms of like alertness and energy and cognition and all of that in the morning. But to Abby's point, create the path of least resistance, you know, change the environment, set yourself up for, you know, success with starting to explore some of these habits. Doesn't have to be perfect um, in terms of you don't have to wake up at, you know, 6 a.m. on the dot every single day. But if, you know, you're usually waking up at six and then the weekend is like 10 or 11 a.m., let's, you know, kind of close that gap a little bit and that can be really helpful. I do want to point out again that Abby and I dive into a lot of this in the circadian rhythm um, episode in season one in a ton of depth and provide a lot of tips if this is sort of like setting off some light bulbs for you and you want some more support with kind of how to um, optimize the circadian rhythm as a whole. 
Um, but let's talk about some other car supporters or some things that can be really beneficial for supporting that healthy cortisol awakening response. Light movement or gentle exercise in the morning has been found to be beneficial. Delaying caffeine consumption. This might be tough for some of us. Um, delaying caffeine consumption by 60 to 90 minutes. Caffeine, unfortunately, interferes with cortisol production. It's a stimulant. And if we are rolling out of bed, you know, opening our eyes and immediately, you know, down in the coffee, having caffeine, our bodies can really start to adapt by producing less cortisol on its own and relying more so on caffeine as a stimulant. So something to keep in mind um, kind of building on what we were just talking about with some of the first car supporters, if you have coffee immediately upon waking, you know, you don't necessarily have to say, okay, I'm going to wait, you know, 90 minutes tomorrow. Maybe we just start making small adjustments with the timing of caffeine to eventually get to that 90 minute kind of time frame. Um, we don't want to shock the system. We don't want to make you feel like crap. Um, so take it slow if you need to, and that's totally fine. Getting sunlight midday or during the daytime hours is another big car supporter. Research suggests that people that are exposed to a lot of fluorescent light during the day, like if you're in an office that has all these fluorescent lights. Um, so if you're exposed for six or more hours a day, um, these individuals have significantly suppressed cortisol awakening responses, which is so interesting, right? So it's not just what we're doing in an immediate sense. It's also our exposures and our habits throughout the rest of the day that are impacting the car. A consistent eating schedule aligned with the circadian rhythm is another really amazing way to support a healthy car. We again, talk about this a lot in depth in the circadian rhythm episode in season one, but just the quick and dirty here, um, this essentially means having something to eat within the first one to two hours of waking and eating consistent meals throughout the daytime after that. We typically recommend that clients generally think about eating within a 12 hour daytime window. So if you have breakfast around 7.30 a.m., you might wrap up your last meal around 7.30 p.m. That's kind of a you know 12 hour eating window. For many of our clients and you know just kind of for people in our crazy modern world, our patterns of eating have shifted. Many of us skip or skimp or delay breakfast for hours and then end up eating the bulk of our food way later into the evening hours because we you know haven't really eaten much the first part of the day. So for many of us, aligning our pattern of eating with our circadian rhythm often does mean reprioritizing that first meal of the day, breakfast, and shifting our eating window towards the earlier part of the day as well. What we do in the evening also really impacts our cortisol awakening response. Some effective tips for supporting overall cortisol balance and that healthy uh, uh, car in the morning include minimizing blue light exposure um, from screens at night or wearing your blue light blockers, dimming lights, using lights that are lower in your visual field. So, you know, um, instead that big bright overhead light using, you know, the floor lamps, the side table lamps, having a consistent bedtime. Again, the body loves routine. It loves rhythms and habits. So some, some consistency with the, the um, wake, wake up time and with the bedtime can be super supportive. And, you know, Abby and I have mentioned this in, I feel like a few episodes, but both you and I, I feel like have done a lot of work on our own. I mean, we do a lot of this work with clients, but we've done a lot of work on our own personal habits and, and uh, you know, kind of 
circadian rhythm supporting habits, you know, in recent years. And it is pretty amazing what a difference just like the consistent bedtime, like within that hour range can make with how you feel day to day, how, you know, how you feel, um, you know, when you're waking up or, you know, feeling tired and calm and, and ready for bed in the evening. Um, you know, again, it doesn't sound huge, but it, it really does make a big difference with how the body's operating. I would totally agree there. And I, I know that sometimes it's not like the, you know, sexiest, like adjustment of like, oh, so like, what about again, like weekends? What about like, all those questions might come up and it's like, we, you know, we do the best we can, but I think also prioritizing, like, what are your goals for right now? Are you like really working on your health and working on like, Hey, I feel like exhausted a lot of the time, or I'm like really overstimulated and I get overwhelmed easily, or, you know, kind of really connected with some of those avatars that we, um, painted or even some of the, you know, just potential, like, man, I really want to strengthen my circadian rhythm for, for multitudes and strengthen my car then we really start kind of getting, you know, the perspective of like, what's more important to me? Like keeping up with maybe some of my friends who are like running about town, like late, you know, Thursday, Friday, Saturday nights, and then throwing me into a loop for the rest of the week. Or is it like me, you know, utilizing my no and like creating some boundaries around myself and like, you know, asking my friends if they want to get coffee during the day or, you know, if they want to like go for walks or if they want to kind of like changing our lifestyle to like really support our goals, which is not necessarily like an easy um, thing to like think about or make the actions towards. But I think just like allowing that to sit for a little bit and like really thinking about like, am I upholding like my own goals? And are there things that I may need to shift in terms of my like interactions with my social life? Um if I have like big goals around like, you know, optimizing my health or maybe even like really head on getting to the root of some of our more chronic symptoms. Yeah. And, you know, that can be a tough, a tough one to navigate. And, you know, I feel like we're often having conversations like that with clients and, you know, trying to find that, that sweet spot for them. So we definitely acknowledge that some of those, you know, changes can be challenging. Um, and I, to build on what Abby's saying too, the context of of a person's health is also very important in terms of are you experiencing significant health issues and symptoms right now? Um, if so, some of these things in terms of the consistency and really making those changes, you know, may may be m- much more of a priority. If you are someone that is, you know, generally in good health, you're not experiencing a lot of overt symptoms, but, you know, maybe you'd like to optimize or, you know, maybe you don't always feel so great coming off of the weekend. Um, you know, these two people are in very different situations, so we can't compare ourselves. And, um, ideally for that individual, that's like in the trenches dealing with a lot of health issues. The goal always is to get you to a place where your body has a lot more resilience. So, you know, we're never looking for perfection with these things. You know, we want clients to show up and enjoy their lives to, you know, go to the fun wedding and, you know, stay up a little later than usual, but not feel awful, you know, for days afterwards. So, you know, there's, there's some nuance to this and we can't compare ourselves to others. Um, you have to think about, you know, where you're at, what's, what's going on with your health, what's important to you, you know, and what changes are going to be reasonable. So just wanted to to point that out as well. Um, couple other car supporters that I just want to run through here, keeping your room dark, 
you know, at night I mentioned, you know, dark environment being great for, you know, supporting circadian rhythms and also, um, you know, making sure that the body is kind of in that, uh, restful state and not producing cortisol, you know, while we are sleeping. And then lastly, what you eat and the nutrients you support your body with is also important or plays a role with the car, with that cortisol awakening response on a macro level, balanced meals with adequate protein, carbs, fat, you know, uh, great meal timing or that optimal meal timing aligned with the circadian rhythm. These things are essential for blood sugar regulation, which has a massive impact on cortisol. So remember that really tight connection between cortisol and blood sugar or glucose but also the nutrient density of the foods that we eat and our ability to properly digest and absorb uh, these nutrients, you know, is important too. Cortisol is a hormone that's made in the mitochondria in a specific area of the adrenal glands. So the health of our mitochondria is important for, you know, actually being able to produce appropriate amounts of uh, cortisol and to have that really healthy, you know, uh, rapid rise in cortisol upon awakening. This, this would get into a little bit too into the weeds for this episode, but just to highlight a couple key nutrients here that can be really helpful for supporting uh, mitochondrial health and function include uh, B vitamins, magnesium, zinc, vitamin E, vitamin C, and antioxidants, um, you know, predominantly coming from our, you know, bright, colorful fruits and veggies. I'm feeling a mitochondria episode coming up. <laughs> I, I know. I was just thinking that. I was, I'm like, I feel like we, we kind of side mention mitochondria a lot. And then we're like, oh, we no, like weave it in. Yeah. Yeah. Like, let's, let's dive into those very important buggers. Uh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Okay. So those are our big car supporters. Um, you know, choose a couple that feel relevant for you and, you know, start from there. Also want to run, run through a few of the biggest uh, car herders or things that, you know, interfere with that healthy cortisol awakening response. Some of the big ones include wonky sleep schedule, hitting the snooze button a million times. I'm sorry if you feel called out right now, but you know, snoozing and kind of falling, you know, back asleep or dozing off it, it, it doesn't help with that cortisol awakening response. We want to wake up, get up, get our That's light That's like exposure. the number one reason why I get out of bed in the morning. So I'm like, oh my God, my cortisol awakening response. I can't snooze. <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel you. I, this is, um, if, if Andrew was here, he'd be like rolling his eyes right now because I'm like all, always on him about this. He's the snooze master. And I, I, I'm someone that, you know, I, I might snooze, but I will not let myself doze back off or fall asleep because, you know, I want to support a healthy car, but I know it doesn't mm-hmm. make me feel good. Right. If I, you know, kind of doze back off and, you know, kind of the impact on these hormones. So I'm like up in the morning and Andrew's yes, yeah, news master. Sorry for calling you <laughs> up, uh, Andrew, but we are, we have, have been working on that. And, and, uh, he finds the, the wake up lamp, you know, sunlight lamp to be really helpful, which a lot of clients do as well in terms of, um, a little bit more gentle way to, to wake up. Yeah, I do too. And it's nice to not wake up to a pitch black room because I'm like, oh, okay. All right. Like I can, and not have to like turn my own light on. Um, it makes like a, a big difference. I, I do find I got that, you know, maybe within like the last year and I've been like every, I don't like the sound that it makes, but I do like the light. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I really, I just think it's a much nicer way to wake up and yeah, having to mm-hmm wake up in the pitch black and then try to, you know, get yourself up and figure out the light situation can not always feel so great. So those are a great option. The, Mm -hmm. um, you know, the, what do you call them? The, 
sunrise like simulation wake wake up lamps i'm yeah like hatch is yeah. like one of them and i know you have like the phillips yep. one very yeah, similar yeah Okay, so a couple other uh, car herders or things that are disrupting that healthy cortisol awakening response, sleep apnea and mouth breathing. This is another reason why we love and encourage mouth taping while sleeping to really uh, gently encourage nose breathing. So this is actually going to impact our production of cortisol first thing in the morning. Blood sugar issues. So again, big connection between blood sugar and cortisol, super tight relationship there. So imbalanced cortisol can drive blood sugar issues and blood sugar issues can drive cortisol imbalance. So focusing on blood sugar stability, you know, overall can help with that healthy car and then that healthy car can help with blood sugar regulation. Hey, Abby here. I wanted to check in with you all about your gut health foundations. As you know, we talk a lot about the importance of practicing the foundations as the first place to start in your health journey. But what I hear from working with many of you is that you could use even more specific guidance on how to personalize those foundations to address your gut health. If you're struggling with bloating, constipation, loose stools, gas, or other frustrating digestive symptoms, I know how overwhelming navigating through conflicting and even extreme health guidance can be. That is why I created the Nourish Gut Guide a self-paced course that guides you in personalizing the essential foundations that must exist to heal your gut symptoms. This $200 course is meant to be your start to finish resource before you waste countless hours Googling elimination diets, spending hundreds on supplements, or even investing thousands in functional testing. After all, I've seen it countless of times in clients that when you master your gut health foundations, those additional expenses aren't even needed or if and when they are, the process is so much more successful when you do. So join us inside of the Nourish Gut Guide to discover how to practice the foundational steps using the tools you already have access to to eliminate your poop problems and build long-term resilient gut health. Chronic under-eating. I wanted to, wanted to point this out because um, this is a big deal for, I, I feel, a lot of uh, women in our modern world. Um, you know, I work with a lot of clients that have a significant dieting history or are even unintentionally under eating, dealing with a lot of gut and hormone related symptoms. And I think we, we forget how stressful chronic under eating is. And if we are under eating, we are jacking up our cortisol and our stress hormone and, and sort of, you know, driving that HPA axis dysregulation. And, and as Abby kind of discussed over time, this can really you know, lead to some issues with that car. Initially, it may mean that we have the overexpression, but over time, that car might dampen and we might end up with sort of that flatlined car uh, dynamic. Chronic stress and burnout or that anticipatory stress in the morning. Um, Abby mentioned this, but just to expand uh, real quickly, you know, when we wake up and we're like checking the email, checking text, social media, we're stressed about our to-do list for the day, um, you know, that can be a disruptor of, you know, our, our normal cortisol awakening response. Because remember, that's supposed to happen without the presence of stress or threat. So if we have, you know, lots of stress first thing in the morning, um, this can be a factor that dysregulates the car, um, but also might be an opportunity to think about, um, you know, some of your habits in the morning and how you're supporting the nervous system, which we talk about in our last episode with gut and hormone uh, healing routines, if you want to learn more there. Excessive blue light and fluorescent uh, light exposure and lack of natural sunlight, smoking, alcohol, 
Uh, traumatic brain injury and concussions um, can be a big one. Poor vagal tone, so when the vagus nerve is not functioning properly. And then certain medications can also interfere with the cortisol awakening response, um, specifically things like steroid medications and stimulants. So there's a couple like extra areas that can impact our certainly kind of cortisol rhythm rhythm as a whole, as well as our car. Um, Some of these we you know, can't really do anything about. The first is seasonal changes. You know, these are, I mean, we could move to Florida or down south with Jillian, have a little less uh, overt seasonal changes. But, you know, we we live where we live unless there's a move in hand. So we just want to put these on the radar as like these are things that can impact. And so through the tools that we really talked about, ramping those up um, and kind of pulling in more tools around those seasonal changes can be pretty impactful. So changes in season can impact the car as the amount of light and the timing of light changes throughout the year as the seasons change. So, you know, in a quarter of the world, we also participate in daylight savings and that overtly changes the clock, impacting sleep and wake patterns and levels of light pretty significantly, you know, overnight, literally. So, both of these changes can impact our sleep patterns and that exposure to kind of diminishing levels of light. Um, So seasonal changes have been shown to impact our car by having lower levels of car in the winter months than in the summer, where kind of particularly individuals who experience kind of seasonal affective disorder have been shown to have more prominent imbalances in terms of lower levels of car in the winter and kind of more affected by those changes, which if you're someone who identifies as kind of feeling those effects in the winter, um, there, you know, there is, there is research around that experience. So definitely like bringing in those light, getting yourself a light box for those dark winter mornings, like getting those supports can be, can be really helpful. And really that some of those individuals are more sensitive to the changes in like seasonal light and time changes. Um, additionally, the changing of daylight savings has shown an even bigger impact on sleep disruptions and even cardiovascular event risk. There's even an increase in traffic accidents following the kind of shifts in the clock, especially with the adjustment of spring to summer when we kind of lose that hour of time. So pretty interesting in terms of, you know, that shift by an hour makes a really pretty significant, um, impact shift workers. This is, you know, certainly a a bigger topic. Shift workers are often most cited when referencing the health implications that can arise when circadian rhythms are out of alignment. Uh, So the greatest challenge is the inconsistent schedule of a shift worker or even maybe a nurse who works like two to three nights per week in an overnight shift, but the other days of the week is living, you know, more in alignment with their natural circadian rhythm. So we just see disruptions there. Um, So the diving into the specifics of how to kind of navigate shift work is a little beyond the scope of just this episode. We could talk about that for its own full episode, but really just the awareness that there is more disruption to that cortisol awakening response um, in someone who is experiencing or living in kind of a, a shift work experience. And then the last one that's that's I find pretty interesting is environmental toxins. Now, we do actually have control over these a little bit more than we might think, but they hurt our car. And that's kind of an interesting, I think, association, not one that necessarily like jumps out as like, obviously, environmental toxins impacting your cortisol, like an impacting your cortisol awakening response. 
So that might even be kind of surprising, but environmental toxins can have an impact on our overall stress response. So exposure to environmental chemicals are a risk factor for damage to our limbic system. So we're kind of talking about our nervous system when we think about just your mammalian response to stress um, and can contribute to alterations in various aspects of the stress circuit. So research has shown exposures to various types of environmental chemicals can both overexpress cortisol or underexpress cortisol based on the chemical, the level of exposure, and the interaction with kind of the complex stress circuit in an individual. So we don't see it always impacting someone in one exact way. Um, and that is kind of the nature of the soup of compounds and chemicals that we might be experienced uh, or exposed to rather on you know, through, through life events. So some of those environmental chemicals, um, things like insecticides, herbicides, industrial chemicals, such as BPA is a really big one that has a lot of research that's kind of found in like plastics. And we talked about in our episode four, um, of kind of our detox and drainage about a little bit more in depth about, um, environmental chemicals and reducing some of those exposures of many more of like the everyday exposures BPA we did talk about there. Teflon pans, flame retardants, solvents, and even metals such as lead. There's actually a lot of um, research around lead exposure and damage to our cortisol awakening response and and stress circuits in the body, as well as cadmium. Uh, So these are all kind of showing significance in manipulating and impacting the health of the car. So kind of strengthening yet another reason why we want to be aiming to reduce kind of exposure in this like holistic health strategy. Now, if you've really connected again with a lot of the timing, I would say, of kind of like that wake up piece, but you're not someone who has a consistent wake up and you, you know, maybe are thinking about like, all right, how do I jump on that bandwagon? How do I start to like wake myself up more consistently? Well, we can think about kind of like two approaches. We can think about the Band-Aid approach, like ripping that Band-Aid off. Um, and or we can think about kind of the slow and steady. So First, we want to think about kind of what's your, you know, optimal wake up time. What's that 12 hour daytime window that you're typically most active, maybe the demands of the day, your work schedule, um, when ideally you'd like to be most active weekend, weekend. Um, and then, you know, choosing a wake up time based on that. So maybe it's 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. So aiming to kind of just start waking up at that 7 a.m. That's the Band-Aid approach and really practicing like that kind of strict light exposure. This could be like the morning walk, standing outside, standing by a bright window, using the light box, Um, really kind of working your way up to getting, you know, more of that like gentle movement, kind of all of those morning routines that we talked about. If you're someone who wants a little bit less of a abrupt Band-Aid approach, just start with small incremental changes, moving your wake up time earlier by like 15 to 30 minutes, like each week, every two weeks. Um, So if you're normally waking up at 9 a.m. and your ideal is 7 a.m., trying to gradually kind of move over one to two months in that kind of increment of 15 to 30 minutes until you're getting more to that like 7 a.m. time, allowing your body to make slow changes. Just like if we were, you know, decreasing caffeine consumption. Sometimes it's more helpful to do the slow and steady than the just like Band-Aid, take it out, cold turkey experience. But people, you know, identify very strongly with one way or another. So the same really kind of focusing on that like morning routine and allowing ourselves to, you know, shift in our patterns in the way that's going to kind of feel feel the best. 
really utilizing the tools that we've kind of talked about in helping to support your body into really moving into a lifestyle that's going to feel most aligned for your health, for your routines, for really showing up with more vibrancy. That's, you know, at the end of the day, um, you know, what is health? Health is like vibrancy in, in our everyday experience. And that's really where, you know, when we talk about kind of our cortisol rhythms, when we talk about our routines, like they are not meant to be these rigid structures that we live in because like we don't like joy. <laughs> it's more of these, you know, structures that are going to help us to create the container with which our body creates vibrancy and creates energy and creates um, just, you know, our our connection to being able to show up to to life every day with with energy and joy. Yeah, I I, I couldn't agree more. And I think something I I am hoping for this episode is that this isn't, you know, creating fear or shame and it's highlighting opportunity for people. The fundamentals, you know, the things that we're talking about, the habits, the health promoting habits, these things make a massive difference. They have the ability to transform your health. We live in a world where if someone you know, can't sleep, they're given, you know, sleep medication. If they're, you know, anxious in the morning, they're given, you know, an anxiety medication. And this of course is not a, an anti-medication statement. This is just pointing out that when people are experiencing symptoms related to something like dysregulated cortisol or, you know, an unhealthy cortisol awakening response, barely anyone, you know, to my knowledge in terms of the, you know, hundreds of clients I've worked with over the years, no one has come to me and said, oh, you know, I told my doctor about this symptom and they, you know, asked me about my, you know, sleep schedule, my light exposure. Um, you know, no, I was offered, you know, a, a medication to suppress or band-aid that symptom. So if you are someone that, you know, is dealing with chronic symptoms, if you don't feel the way Abby's describing in terms of that, you know, vibrance and, and energy and vitality, there's a tremendous amount of opportunity for you here to, you know, take action to, you know, work on those habits and your health is in your habits, you know, as, as we always say at the end of the day. Um, so I hope that this really just highlights the opportunity for anyone out there, um, that this episode might resonate with. Thank you for listening to the Your Body Has Your Back podcast. If you enjoyed today's podcast episode, please take a minute to leave us a five-star review and make sure to share the podcast with a friend or family member that you think might benefit from listening. Make sure to follow the Your Body Has Your Back Instagram and to share your favorite episodes and definitely tag us as you start to live out the Your Body Has Your Back lifestyle. We can't wait to see it. If you're looking for more support on your gut and hormone healing journey, connect with Abby and I over on Instagram. You can follow Abby at Above Health, and you can follow me, Jillian, at Jillian Greaves RD. Thank you, and see you in the next episode.